What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Eric Thomas. Eric is a critically acclaimed author, world-renowned speaker, educator, pastor, and so much more. Known as ET to most, Eric has become a motivational mentor for some of the world's most popular sports leagues, teams, and players, including Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Cam Newton, and others. He currently has more than 2 million followers on Instagram, and YouTube videos of his speeches have done billions of views collectively. We talk about his path from homelessness to master motivator, the challenges that stop many people from accomplishing their dreams, how he learned to handle pressure, the keys to becoming a great public speaker, and more. I really enjoyed this episode with Eric, and I hope that you do too. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a 24-7 personalized fitness wearable that's here to help you improve your recovery, sleep, fitness, and health. It's the one tech product that I wear 24-7. Here's how it works. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Your score lets you know how to approach your day, whether you should push yourself during your workout or activity, or if you should skip the gym and take a rest day. You wear your Whoop on your wrist, bicep, or now within one of their new smart clothing garments called Whoop Body. The band connects with an app on your phone, and it automatically measures your heart rate, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. The band also automatically detects and classifies your workouts, so there's never an issue in forgetting to press go on a run anymore. You can then analyze your activity levels in the app. There's also a ton of coaching features within it like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery level for that day. Those goals change over the course of the day, depending on how active you've been. That coaching is where Whoop really shines. Whether you're interested in how CBD or alcohol impacts your sleep and recovery, or you're just wondering how long of a run you should go on, Whoop is there to provide you with personalized data to make sure you're aware of the impact these decisions have on your body. And Whoop is now offering 15% off their new Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8Sleep. 8Sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, yet still more than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot, but now, I'm falling asleep in record time, faster than I have ever before, all thanks to my 8Sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover by 8Sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress and start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. The temperature of the cover will adjust each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature reacting intelligently to create the optimal sleeping environment. The result? 8Sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. The Pod Pro covered by 8Sleep is so popular that it has garnered attention from CEOs, high performers such as Olympic gold medalist Red Gerard, and top CrossFit athletes, including the 2021 fittest man on earth, Justin Medoras, and UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou. They're all powered by 8Sleep to make the most of their workouts and recovery. Remember, good sleep is the ultimate game changer. So go to 8sleep.com slash Joe to check out the Pod Pro cover 
and save $150 at checkout. Eight sleep ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, ET, we were talking a little bit before this, and I selfishly mentioned that I have a bunch of questions. I know the audience has a bunch of questions to ask you. You're someone that I've listened to for a long time now. I remember when I first heard the video about you challenging students to want to succeed as much as they want to breathe. And it's a video that I think millions of people at this point have seen, obviously, and it's something that I think about often and other people think about often. So maybe that's the easiest place to start. What in your mind is is holding most people back from achieving what they want to achieve in today's world? Yeah, you know, I, I truly believe that everybody has the ability to achieve. Like, I really believe that in my whole heart. Like, I want to start there. Like, I, I don't believe that there's any human, you know, of course, there, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, but just... For the most part, every human can achieve whatever they desire. I think, number one, we don't focus on that enough. You know, number one, I just feel like everybody's looking at everybody else. I've had young people tell me, I mean, in their 20s, tell me, Joe, hey, E, I'm behind. I say, you're 20 years old. You Behind what? But I get it. You're on the Internet. And so you're watching what the Joneses are doing. And you're like, yo, I'm not there. And I just remember coming up as a kid. The only time we saw rich people was on, I forgot the dude's name, but it was like the rich and famous. You know what I'm saying? Like lifestyles of the rich and famous. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the only time we really got an opportunity to see people with like Lambos and jets, you know, and living in big mansions and gated communities. So I think, number one, one of the challenges that we have, I think we struggle with focusing on what everybody else is focusing on and not focusing on our own desires. Number two. I feel like people allow trials and tribulations, roadblocks, excuses, good reasons getting away. I look, my wife was diagnosed with MS. I get it. You know, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer. They told her to go home and die. Like, I get it. Like, real life happens. But at the end of the day, I made up in my mind, yo, this MS ain't going to break us. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mother-in-law, if you choose to, you're going to live. That was over 10 years ago when she was diagnosed. They told her to go home. You got four months to go. My wife functioning with MS. You wouldn't even know she had MS. So I think a lot of times, like good reasons, like tragedy, like life. I think life gets in the way of most people. And most people don't understand, like, bro, you got to get to a point where you live in America. Like, I'm not into politics and all that stuff. But I will say this. I saw something the other day with COVID. I think it was called COVID zero in another part of the world, like in Asia. They like locked everything down. Like you couldn't come out the crib. You know what I'm saying? Like, you couldn't open up the window. You know, they had the drones flying around, giving people instructions. Like, yo, bro, we don't have that right now. You look at other parts, there's war. I saw in Africa, I think 200,000 people lost, lost their lives, a flood. I'm like, bro, you ain't dealing with that. Like, we not dealing with that. The stuff you're dealing with is, you know, this tragedy happened, that tragedy, but it's stuff that you can overcome. So I think the two biggest factors, we don't spend enough time really defining what we want is not clear enough. We don't have the clarity we need to like get down that journey. And number two, it just life happens. And many of us, I always say this, a lot of us have IQ. Some of us even have EQ, right? But what most of us don't have is most of us don't have that GQ, which is that grind quotient. Like we don't have that grind, bro. 
One of the reasons why I've listened to you for so long, and and I think this is all public now. I know I've read it in the past, but you had a difficult childhood and you, you had a difficult upbringing, right? You were, I believe, homeless at one point. You grew up in Detroit, as you mentioned before. You didn't have a ton of money. You, you were trying to graduate college, I believe, for, for yeah. almost a decade at some point. I know that your father wasn't in your life till later on. Yeah. These are all things that I point to not to say, oh, hey, gotcha, but it's because you have experience, right? You've been through these valleys where you understand that life gets better and life can be difficult. Do you think that the natural inclination of people is to feel sorry for themselves? Yeah. And if so, how do you motivate people to get themselves out of that feeling? Here's what I say. We all have a story, whatever it is. Like my son had me, he still has stuff that, you know, was a challenge for him. And I'm like, wow, is that a real challenge? You know what I'm saying? But for him... You know, it's a challenge. You know what I'm saying? I would be thinking like, wow, you got your mom, your dad, you went to college, whatever. But those, those are real challenges for him. What I want to say is that, like, we all have the right to be in our feelings. You do. You, you had a right to look at something in the negative, you know. But you also have to understand that that's counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish. So for me to say my mom was a teenage mom, my dad wasn't in my life, I grew up in the D. I'm from a working class. We didn't have extra money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all true. But none of that is more important than me living my American dream. Like, I tell people, like, it's real. It is. But none of it is real enough for me not to be bi-coastal, for me not, you know, to be a multimillionaire, for me not to be, you know, just signed a publishing deal, to do commercial. None of that real stuff is as real as my dreams or as real as my goals or as real as what I'm trying to accomplish. So 1,000%, that stuff, we can't take away that stuff happened to you. But you got to ask yourself, like, how would I respond to that? You know, I, man, I don't talk about my daughter a lot. You know, she's an introvert. Like, she don't really love the spotlight, but she kill it when she get in it. But my daughter did not march. She spent 16 years in school. She did not get to march, Michigan State University, her four-year degree. Why? Because of COVID. I never heard my daughter complain about it. She never, she like, yo, yes, I wanted to graduate. And yes, I put in four long years. But you know what I'll do? I'll go get my master's and now I'll graduate. You feel me? She like about to get her master's May 6th. So my daughter's like, look, why complain about it? Yes, I can go out and get to graduate. But my schooling was paid for. I got a degree at a major university. My father and my brother went to Michigan State. You know, she looks at all the things that are positive and not the negative. And so a lot of us, man, we got victim mentality. Yes, what happened to you is real. But the real question is, what will happen to you? How real is that? So, yes, I can't control teenage mom, dad, one in my life, south side of Chicago. I can't control that. That's not something I can control. But I owe it to myself to see what's on the other side of all of that tragedy. What's on the other side of all of those trials and tribulations? And you know what's on the other side? Number one motivational speaker in the world. Help millions of people through my content. My kids got an opportunity to go to school. Again, I live in, you know, Michigan, but then I live in Cali. All of that, travel to Dubai, you know, Australia, whatever. To me, that's more important than the stuff I can't control. What's more important to me is what can I control and what can I do with my life while I'm alive? One of the things I want to talk about is how you train your mind. Yeah. I think we've gone through this phase now, and rightfully so, where mental health has become much more important Absolutely. in society and culture and sports and everything, right? It's just, it's at the forefront of a lot of things that are happening today. And it's something that I personally think about a lot, which is you don't talk to anyone else more than yourself. 
that can be good and negative, whether you're kind of promoting yourself and saying that you're doing all the right things when you're really not or vice versa. So I'm curious as someone who spends a lot of time helping others and talking about these things, how you personally train your mind today and have trained it over years and decades at this point, I assume, to be in the spot today where you're as confident as you are, you're as motivated as you are and so forth. Yeah, it started at homeless, like for real. You can imagine when you're homeless, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you buy yourself a lot. You know, I don't know if that makes sense to people. But when I was homeless, you know, I wasn't with my mom. I wasn't with my dad. I wasn't with my siblings. I spent a lot of time alone. And I'm going to be honest, Joe, I ain't like the stuff I was saying to myself. And I didn't like the stuff that people were saying that stuck. Like, I didn't like that. So there were people saying some very evil stuff, some very harsh stuff that wasn't productive. I didn't like how I embraced that. I didn't like how I believed what they were saying. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I don't mean my feelings got hurt. I didn't like the outcomes. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I didn't like, I'm not going nowhere. I'm in abandoned buildings. I'm sleeping in cars. I don't have food. I'm super skinny because I'm not eating. I'm not looking my best. I don't smell my best. I think when I say homeless, people think I'm playing. But I'm like, I'm stinking at this point. I've got on old clothes at this point. I didn't like me, Joe. I didn't like me. I didn't like my circumstances. So what I said to myself was, man, you have to do something different. You have to talk to yourself different. So the first thing I started doing was I started singing to myself. Woo, don't worry, be happy. That was a hit song when I was coming up. And I used songs like that to say, A.E., you need to be careful what you're saying to yourself. You need to be careful what you're listening to. The stuff that you're listening to is not arbitrary. Like, it has an impact on you. And it's not by osmosis that you're going to be successful. Like, you got to be intentional deliberate. So I started being very intentional deliberate. The music that I listen to, love is what we need, take six. What the world needs now, I just start listening to positive music. You know, I start reading positive stuff. You know, I got heavy into the Bible. And not on some church stuff. Just reading stuff that just said positive stuff about me, right? Start going to, you know, church, conferences, positive music, scriptures that were positive, motivational quotes that were positive, being around more positive people. And believe it or not, you know, walking and, and meditating and saying, yo, you homeless, but where do you want to be a year from now? You know, where do you want to be two years from now? Hey, E, this is where you are right now, but where do you want to be? And I start programming my brain to help me to get out of that situation. John Maxwell says something deep. He says, what do you do when you're in a hole? He said, the first thing you do is you stop digging. So I stopped being around negative people. I stopped listening to music that was negative. I stopped watching stuff that was negative. And I started speaking a certain way to myself. And I do it to this day. You're the number one motivational speaker in the world. Not trying to compare myself to nobody else or be better than nobody else, but I'm just telling myself like, yo, you one of the best at this game, bro. You the Tom Brady, you the Michael Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, I'm not saying this to anybody. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to compare. I'm saying it because I need to hear myself say something good about me. I need to hear positive words in my own brain, in my soul, in my heart. I need to hear Eric say positive stuff to Eric. Why? Because Eric's with Eric more than anybody. So you're absolutely right. I begin to train my mind. I begin to train my mouth. I begin to become a little bit more serious about the environments I was in. And sure enough, like you said, why am I confident? Because there was a time I wasn't. And I said to myself, stop saying you're not confident. Start saying it. Even if you're not, just say it. And it's something about words. If you say it, some kind of way you become it. And now I walk around with more confidence, man, than I've ever walked around in my life. And I love the outcomes that I get from being confident. 
I love it. It reminds me of Muhammad Ali's quote. I'm sure you know this one by now where he said, I'm the greatest. I said that before I even knew I was right. And he basically just kept telling himself and telling himself and telling himself. And he obviously was working towards that and so forth. But I think there's a huge part of that just positive affirmation. Absolutely. But it leads me to also ask about today's society, right? I think the news, social media, a lot of this is negative. And whether you want to just say that's the world around us and what's happening or whatever you want to call it, yeah. I think it's a fact that that there's a lot of negativity kind of surrounding people today. Is this something you worry about for the average individual? Only because the average individual gets more of their affirmation, more of their direction from external. That's the only reason I worry about it. I don't worry about it. My daughter, I don't worry about my daughter. Why? Because my daughter, I can tell... She not she not on what they think about her or what they say or what they believe. Now she's in the real world, so she'll tell me like, "Man, Dad, I wish this or I wish that." But she's been strong enough to go. Man, I'll never forget Joe. She was in Campeche, Mexico, for spring break, and she had just turned eighteen years old. They went to spring break. You know, everybody like, "Yo, it's time to drink." She like, "I'm good on that," and everybody was like, "Yo, but you're eighteen. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a rites of passage. It's spring break. You in college." And my daughter's like, yo, I don't drink. Like, I'm good on that. And she was like, dad, it wasn't that I didn't drink that was the problem. She's like, it was the pressure that was the problem. You know, like, they just kept telling me, you got to drink, you got to drink, you got to drink. And she's like, yo, I'm not drinking. And I didn't drink. And so I don't worry about people like my daughter who get their cues from themselves. I worry about people who maybe you didn't have a healthy relationship with your dad or your mom. You know, you were a foster child and didn't feel like, you know, the world treated you right. Whatever. And, and this is causing you to look outward for inward. That's who I worry about. But for those of us who understand, like, yo, you shouldn't be taking your cues from the world anyway. You shouldn't be informed from the world around you. You should be informed from the world within you. But yes, to your point, which is why I put out so much content. I don't want to be the guy that's saying it's nothing but negative out there. I want to be the guy that saying, hey, it's a lot of this out there, but you can find this, too. And you can come to me and get it three times a day. Now you can get it Monday, Wednesday, Friday live on Instagram, you know what I'm saying, and Facebook. So I'm the guy that's saying, yep, a lot of negativity, but I'm going to be the positive force in this world. So people who are looking for that on TikTok, they can find it. I think at this point, at least pre-pandemic, you were doing hundreds of speeches a year from a motivation standpoint. Is there anyone in particular, given that you've probably helped thousands of people at this point? Is there anyone in particular that you look back on and you're really proud of the transformation they've made or someone that you're really proud that you were able to help that made a huge change in their life? Man, it's so many, man, it's so many people, you know, it's so many individuals that, you know, I've been able to help. I'd probably say, and I'm trying to think of the term, make a wish foundation. I'm probably more proud of some of those kids who were cancer and fight. You know, if you're in make a wish, like it's terminal. And so I'm proud of a couple of the guys who had a terminal illness and they went through the whole transfusion, right, which was grueling, gruesome, and they endured a lot. And those kids who got through it, you know, I don't know if they want me to say their name, but one kid in particular, Josh, you know, he got through it, went to college. He, he, was, he got married during the pandemic. It was incredible. But I remember him being in the Children's Hospital in Minnesota. I just remember, like, we couldn't, bro, we had to like take a shower, a bath, like get suited up to like go into this room where he would spend a couple of days or weeks, you know, getting his blood trans, like almost like wiping out your whole immune system, you know, and giving you a whole new immune system. So I remember, you know, his body at the time, the way he looked, his strength, it was, it was a lot. 
and he got through it and got on the other side. So Josh is probably, when I really think about it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got entertainers, actors, NFL, NBA, CEO, you know, people like that. But Josh was probably like a person who we didn't think was, you know, going to make it. And he fought and fought and fought, you know, and got on the other side of that thing. And like I said, when he when he marched down the aisle with his beautiful bride, I was just like, whoa, talk about talk about resilience. You know, this kid was resilient. So it's probably Josh. I love that. One of the other things that you briefly mentioned there that I think is important to talk about is sports. Right? You have become one of the, the loudest voices and the most prominent voices, I'd say, within professional sports from a mental health standpoint, from a motivation standpoint, from an intellectual standpoint. And I know that you work with individual players. You mentioned NFL. I know you were closer or close with Chris Paul and others. You talked to individual teams. I know you're part of the onboarding process for a lot of these leagues and the rookies that they bring on. Why, in your mind, does your message resonate so well with professional athletes in general? I think sports, you know, you have to be resilient. It, it is about losing and winning. Even when you look at the Giants, the year they won, they were like wild card. The year they beat the Patriots, the Patriots was like maybe 19-0. and 0. They went undefeated in the season, probably won three games to get to the Super Bowl, and they end up losing the Super Bowl. You know, so, so sports is really about, you know, a lot of people, Tom Brady's a winner. He lost, he lost some Super Bowls, too. <laughs> he lost some Super Bowls. Like, that That hurt to go undefeated and not win the Super Bowl that year, right? To lose to a wild card. I think the Giants was like a wild card that year. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't win their division that year, right? And so sports is about winning and losing. It's about adjusting. It's about flexibility. It's about getting back up quickly. It's about being a beast. And so I think they resonate with my message because that's what my message is about. My message is not about perfection. My message is about, yo, you live life. If you're going to be successful, you got to get through life to get to success. Like, here's what I hate when people, oh, the American dream isn't real. No, the American dream isn't real. It's real. It's just they're not passing it out. It's not like candy. They're not giving it out. It's real and you can have it and experience it. But boy, does it take a lot, especially depending on your, your background and your access. It takes a lot to get to the American dream. But it's real. It doesn't negate the fact that it's real. But you got to work to get there. And so I think that's why athletes love you know, my message, because my message is a message of you owe you. My message is no prisoners, no excuses, no good reasons. Like you got to go get what's yours. And so I think, again, the, the intensity of the message. Some people are like, hey, e, you too loud. You too bad. I said, bro, I'm talking to kids whose father's not in their life. I'm talking to kids whose fathers are in prison. I'm talking to kids whose fathers are dead. I'm talking to kids who not eating, who in poverty. I'm not talking to kids who got it all. This is a sense of urgency. So I got to speak with a sense of urgency. I got to speak in a sense of passion. Why? They're listening to all these different other messages. So if I'm going to get their attention, I got to arrest it. I got to grab it. I got to go get it. So I just think sports and that mentality one has to have to be a one percenter in sports is parallel to the message that I give. And I'm sure you've talked about this at some point with, with at least one athlete or several athletes. But it's it's haters, right? It's fans that get angry. It's fans that get upset, whether it's on social media, in person, mail, whatever it might be, right? There's plenty of athletes that have a very difficult time. And people often forget. They look at athletes like they're some ungodly being. They say, hey, look, this person can do whatever it takes. They're a professional athlete. And I think as you get older and you develop some of these, some of this experience, you realize that's not the case, right? They're human beings. They understand exactly what's happening and they have to deal with these things just like anyone else. How have you talked athletes off that ledge? How have you gotten them to, to move past the fear of failure and move past the fear of criticism? Yeah, it's two things. One, you've given too much. 
You know, you work your whole life to get to a certain point. You've given too much. You've sacrificed too much. You've paid too great of a cost not to finish it. Like, who would go to the store and spend thousands of dollars and not walk out with one bag? Whatever you paid for, you want it all. And so that's the first thing I teach people. It's like, yo, Eric, I sacrificed too much not to be the best in the world. I sacrificed too much, you know, not to have certain opportunities. So that's number one. Number two, at the end of the day, those of us who are successful are those who have the most control. When somebody else has control, of your life, of your time, of your decisions, that's a dangerous place to be. And I've been there. You can't go to your daughter's academic awards banquet in the morning because you work. I'm like, yo, I'm an academic advisor. Students don't even come at nine o'clock in the morning. Like what student comes to get an academic advisor at 9.30 in the morning? It doesn't happen. But she's my boss. And so she's like, yo, I make the rules. I don't care if nobody's in here. You can't go to your daughter's school. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're when it's spring break, you can't take off spring break and go be with your family. Bruh, that was the worst part of my life. Why? Somebody else is controlling my time. Somebody else is making decisions for me. So a lot of my successes come from, yo, I'm not going to let my haters have control of my emotions, of my reaction, you know, of my life, of my time, nothing. And so when you give people energy, right? When you give people your attention, when you give people your time, we've seen some stuff lately where a lot of people have responded to stuff that is said to them and it's cost, bro. Like, cause you did it publicly. It cost you, you feel me? And so you gave somebody an opportunity to control your destiny, control your life, control your contracts, control your opportunity. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm not giving nobody. I work too hard to control my life and I'm not giving the control and the steering wheel over to nobody else. How did you get better at public speaking? I imagine that you weren't always as good as you are today. Is there anything that you've done, tips or tricks or exercises that you've done to get better over time? Yeah, I'm speaking. <laughs> you know, that's number one. I got better at speaking, speaking. Look, I tell people today, I still, all the stuff I used to do for free, I still do it. They're like, E, you're number one in the world. Why are you still going to that elementary school? Why are you still, because that's where I got good at. So why would I stop the reps? I'm telling you, the reps, it's all in the reps, y'all. It's all in the reps. Can I be honest? I get an opportunity to speak, not as much as y'all think. I promise you, I'm not speaking Monday through Friday at 25 conferences a day. I'm not. But guess what I do get to do? This podcast, I get to speak. Like, I get to practice way more than I get to play. And if you know anything about sports, you practice way longer than you play. But your play is contingent upon your practice. And the more you practice, the better you play. So number one, just play. Number two, just play for fun. Do you understand the stress when somebody paying you $150,000 to speak? That's a lot of stress. <laughs> do you know how much stress I have when I get to go do it for free somewhere? No stress at all. Have fun. So when I go speak at a school, I get to tell all the jokes I want to tell at the pay gig to see how they're going to react to them. Like, oh, they didn't laugh at that. Please don't tell that at the pay gig. Oh, nope. They didn't get that concept. Didn't make sense to them. Please don't say that. Oh, they love that. Write that down. They love that. All right, good. 150, they're going to love it too. And then finally, nobody big yet. Nobody big yet. When you spend time with, I don't know what y'all want to call, you know, non-celebrities, but when you spend time, as my grandma used to say, with folks, everyday folk, you learn so much and it makes speaking easier. Why? Because now when I speak, I only have to speak about the conversations that I've had the stuff that I've learned. And so that's my final one. Don't get so big. My grandma used to say, your bridge is too big. Like, don't get so big that you forget 
that it's all about life. It's about people communicating, convers having conversations, going out to eat, enjoying other humans. And I promise y'all, this may sound funny, but all my stories, all my life comes from just the everyday conversations I have with people. I just do it on stage and people love it. Why? Because people are everyday people and people love everyday conversation. I don't have to say anything big. Somebody said to me the other day, it was so funny, Joe. This dude said to me, man, you don't talk like you got a PhD. I was like, okay, I did get one though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not honorary. I literally wrote a dissertation. So I don't necessarily feel the need to use those words that we use in academia. We're not in academia right now. We're having a basic conversation. So I have no need to talk over third graders. I have no need to talk over fifth graders. I have no need to talk over people. I want to use the word that everybody understands. And so those are the three things I would recommend. I want to know how you deal with complacency because it's one of the things that scares the shit out of me, right? Is it, just getting complacent and doing what you're doing, routine oriented every single day. Because I, I love a routine, right? You wake up same time, you eat the same stuff, you do the same things every week, et cetera. It's good to a degree, but it can also force complacency, whether it's in your, your work, your career, your life, friendships, relationships, et cetera. So I want to talk about that for a second and just see how you deal with that personally. I'm scared, Joe. I'm scared to go back, man. <laughs> I'm scared to go back. My wife and I were just talking about that yesterday. She's like, you got to be careful. I was like, why you say that? Because you just go, go, go. You know, it's like since COVID, of course, you slow down. But they made you slow down. I'm scared you're going to go. And I'm like, yo, no, no, I don't. I don't want to go back to homeless. You know, I don't want to go back to not having choices. I don't want to go back. I love my job in Michigan State. I love the kids. I love them. A lot of the kids that I work with are blown up now. Entertainers, they're doing some big stuff. Government, educate, like they're doing some big stuff. I didn't hate the students. I hated being controlled. I never want to go back where I got to go somewhere where 90% of the people that work with me don't even want to be there. Like, I don't want to be in that toxic environment anymore. You know, Joe, one of the funniest things, well, to me, it was funny. When I was with Warren Buffett, the question was asked, you know, what's one of the things that you can do as one of the richest men in the world that you cherish? He said, I don't have to work with anybody I don't want to work with. <laughs> I said, wow. I thought it was funny because I thought he was going to say something like profound or deep. But I'm like, yo, that's deep. Like when you don't work in a in toxic environment anymore, when you're not working with people like you see athletes all the time, I want to get traded. Bro, I'm from Detroit, you know, originally from Chicago, but I spent most of my life in Detroit. Bro, they wanted to get rid of my man. They thought Stafford was the worst thing. That ever happened to the city. My man left and won a Super Bowl. Not three years later, not four years later. He won a Super Bowl the same year. The same year they traded my man, he won a Super Bowl. Why? Because he was in an environment where people pay money to win. Where the coaches running up and down the field, coming in the end zone, giving you a high five. Like the coach is the coach acting like he want to be on the field. He wouldn't want to play. You got Beckham there. You got Ramsey. You got all of these great Anderson. You got all these great players that want to win. And so for me, man, I never want to go back to average. Quiet as kept, Joe, let me be real. I never want to go back to good. Good was dangerous because when I was good, I thought I was better off than I was. Great, man, and phenomenal is the place where I want to dwell. So for me, I can't get complacent because I never want to go back to Michigan where in the winter, my wife with her MS, she's got to worry about it flaring up. I want to be in Cali, Southern California, where the weather is great. And my wife has energy and you can't even tell she has MS. I don't want to go back to the way it used to be. man. I'm, matter of fact, if I have anything to do with it, I'm never going back. I'm never going back.
I love it. And I love that Warren Buffett quote and your story about him because it's the first thing I tell other entrepreneurs that reach out to me for advice in building their business. If they're going out on their own and they're building their own business, because I've seen it firsthand. Literally, when I started building my business two years ago, I was trying to get advertisers, right? And at that point, you're trying to get whoever you can get, whoever you can find, you're trying to get paid, right? And I intentionally refused to work with people that were difficult or made life hard or we're just assholes, right? That's what I call it. I, I tell them every time, don't work with assholes. Yeah. Run as far away as you can. Yeah. And I've turned down money. I've, I've returned money. I've told people, see you later, get lost because it's not worth it. And I've learned over time, that's like my number one rule is to only work with people that you want to work with, right? And obviously some people are in different circumstances where they can't do that or they don't have the ability to do that. But I promise to anyone listening, like it's worth it. It's totally Gosh. worth it. And you're, you're a perfect example of this, like, you got to surround yourself with positive people. You yeah. got to surround yourself with people who are trying to yeah. make you better, no who question. are trying to make your business better and bigger. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference. So yeah. I'm on board with that. The last thing I want to talk about is what you're working on now. I see you all over the place. You're interested in crypto. You're interested in Web3. I know you have a very cool community that you're building now called ETverse. Tell me a little bit about what exactly that is, why you launched it, and how it's going. Let me say this to you. The word you just used, complacent. I promise you I don't want to be on another platform. I'm, I'm an old head, so I was on Facebook when you, you had to have a college email address in order to be on Facebook. You feel me? And yeah, you're an OG of Facebook. You, you know, you're a I, Facebook I OG. To, I happened to work at Michigan State University, so it was msu.edu. You feel what I'm saying? But I'll be honest with you. Man, once it seemed like we had mastered Facebook, boom, here come Twitter. You know, Twitter, here come Instagram. Instagram, do it for the vine. You know, I ain't going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was so many different things. Now you got TikTok, right? It's always something. So for me, it was like, yo, E, bro, Web3, you made it in Web2, right? Which is read, write. But what I love about Web3 is read, write, and it's own, right? And so for me, I think the reason why I'm super excited about Web3, not for me, like I've already made my place in the world. So I'm already, you know, getting gigs, working with corporations, NFL, NBA. But, you know, one of the things, Joe, I felt like I missed the mark on and my movement was, man, I started flipping through Martin Luther King, you know, and I'm like, yo, they talked about the economic piece that I never thought about. And a part of the American dream capitalism is you got to have money. <laughs> like it is what it is. You need money to be successful. And so what I love about Web3 is ownership. Web3 is the opportunity for people to own their own stuff. Right. And you and I both know Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Like I remember when I first got on YouTube, bruh. Matter of fact, two years ago on Facebook, before they did the community, I was getting like 50,000 views on my spiritual development boy. But once they started doing ads and stuff, all of a sudden, like, yo, my 50,000 turned into 10? What happened? Like, the, the people not watching no more? So, so it's like, yo, you don't own your own content. Like, you don't control the direction. So for me, Web3 is like, yo, all these babies out here who want to be creators, Web3 is the spot. You're going to get an opportunity not to read, to write, but also to own. You know, and so for me, the ET versus what? Like, what's the difference between Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that? Well, the difference on Web3 is I'm doing a series on creators, like teaching kids how to be creators, right? And how to create, right? Whatever that is, whether you have a voice, a speaking, singing, whether you're an artist. So recently we just did, uh, we're, we're dropping 550 unique art pieces, you know, on myself, right? Which will give 250 people an opportunity to buy a piece. And why? Man, I grew up with baseball cards. I, I got the Deion Sanders, boy, he's coming to speak for my event. I got the Deion Sanders rookie Atlanta baseball card, you know, with the Atlanta Falcon boy. But 
it was up under my bed, y'all. And my son took some of the stuff and other people took some of the cards. So what I love about, you know, this whole NFT space is like, it's digital. Like you own it, it can't get wet. You know what I'm saying? Your cousin can't come look at it and sneak it and take it from you when you whatever. So I love it that you guys are going to be able to own your own stuff, right? And so the NFT is coming out. We're about to make artists wealthy. You know, we've got kids working with us from Africa who are using the money to build schools and water wells. Like we're doing some real cool stuff. Like the money is going toward, you know, our foundation. So super excited. The ET verse weekly. We're motivating people. We're giving you content that you can't get anywhere else. But more importantly, it's not about ET this time. Now it's about you helping you develop, helping you to take what you already have and get some currency from it. Here's what I tell people. ET, the American dream, capitalism. What is it? It's the ability to capitalize. That's it. To capitalize either on Web3, which means your artwork, digital writing, whether it means your voice, rapping, you know, whether it means doing movies, but whatever. It is the opportunity to capitalize. So Web3, man, is all about me helping the next generation get exposure, get wealth, you know, get in the game, bruh. Like, get in the game. And a lot of people are in America, but they're not in the American dream. They're not even on the bench, warming up, getting ready to get in. And so for me, this is an opportunity to be able to get people involved. And again, man, it's unfortunate with those other platforms, a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot of people making decisions for you. Web3, you have the opportunity right now to make your own decisions, to kind of do it the way you want to do it. You know, so been in the space for a minute. My boy Paul Wilson told me about it crypto maybe about 10 years ago and kept, you got to get in, E, you got to get in. I'm like, crypto, bro. Like, bro, I don't do all that stuff. <laughs> like, E, you got to get in. Like, you know, and it's funny, my boy Jamal, Jamal said to me once, E, you need to get into real estate. You know, you've been with Warren Buffett. They're all in real estate. I was like, my voice is real estate. I get to speak here, here. You know, he was like, no, 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 you're already in real estate. I was like, what do you mean I'm already in real estate? He's like, you own a house. Your son is in at an apartment. Your daughter's in the dorm. You're already in it, E, you're just on the wrong side of it. You're on the paying side. You're not on the getting paid side. So crypto, you don't have a choice, y'all. You, you're in the world where it's happening. It's either you're going to get beat because you don't know and you're not informed, or you're going to get informed and figure out how you want to play the game. So as a speaker, guess what? Now when I go speak, people like crypto. So if you're from Africa or you're from another part of the world, I'm from Detroit, guys. Remember I told you, Canada. So we go back and forth. And the money would always be different. Sometimes their money would be worth more. Sometimes our money would be worth more. But the dollar didn't always hold up everywhere when I travel. It's like I take out my dollar and they're like, we give you 50 cent. Oh, the thing I love about this global economy, bro, is <laughs> now when you pay me what I put, it's worth the same thing everywhere. You ain't got enough gold to back that up. Or you ain't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, now it's worth. So I'm in the game. You have to decide how you want to get in the game. You get to play it the way you want to play it. but. Web3 is real. NFTs is real. Everybody's all the entertainers, commercials, Tom Brady, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, you see everybody. Kevin Hart, Snoop Doggy Dogg. Like you see, I saw yesterday was it Hilton. I saw Hilton. She's in the NFT space. She's in the, I say ET verse, but metaverse. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I got my own thing I'm saying, but she's in the metaverse killing it. So, so, you know, it's really a new real estate. And you got to ask yourself, do I want to be involved? The answer should be yes. To what extent do I want to be involved? The answer should be immersely involved in it. And then how do I want to capitalize whatever gift that I have? So, yep, we in the space, man. Super excited. We got a lot of stuff coming up over the years. 
You know, we got a big conference coming up next year, 2023. I'm linking up with other people who are heavily in the space. Yeah, your boy E.T., I may not be able to get Boardwalk and Park Place, but we definitely going to get New York, St. James, and Pennsylvania. You know what I'm saying? We definitely go. We definitely going to scoop those, bro. I love how excited you are. Have you? Do you hike at all or no? Do you climb any mountains? Have you climbed any mountains? No, only the ones here in Southern California. There are trails here that I do, but I, like, I've never been outside of like Cali. I've never been to Denver or Kilimanjaro, you know, Africa. Like I've never done it. I asked because I climbed Kilimanjaro earlier this year uh-huh. and I could have used your ass up there with me, motivating me the whole way. <laughs> yeah, I could have. How, how many hours did it take? It took days. It took five or six days in total. You sleep overnight, obviously. You know, you could do it faster, but there there was 10 or 12 of us. So you go slow and you just yeah. make sure everyone makes it up. Yeah. But on the last day on, on summit night, I certainly could have used you and I'm sure everyone else could have. But I, I love it, man. I love it. I love what you're doing. I love the mission behind no what you're doing in the digital space also. I think it's imperative that we bring as many people along as we can into a new world where you're actually able to own things on the internet, right? Yeah. I, I get the negativity. I get people that say, hey, look, there is yeah. too much stuff happening. Some of this is worthless, et cetera. But I think at the end of the day, your your point that you made around ownership is is the most imperative and the most important point you can make, which is just... The internet is the battleground for everything today, right? It is where billions and billions of dollars are transferred every single day. And people are creating a ton of value. If you look at Facebook, if you look at Google, if you look at Twitter, if you look at Instagram, if you look at TikTok, if you look at any of these large social media companies, and even outside of social media, trillions of dollars have been created in value on the backs of individuals. And they have captured little to none of that upside outside of the public markets. So I think just based on that philosophy alone, it's very, very important. And then I think people just need to get educated, right? And figure out where they should get involved, how they should do it, and what part of the future that they should look to attach themselves to. But I also think you're right. Like, we're all headed in that direction. It's just a matter of time and a matter of where. But I I think you're thinking about it in the right way. And a matter of control, Joe. The quicker you get in it, the more you get informed. And I want you guys to hear this word in the right way. When I say play around with it, I mean, fill it out. You know, figure it out, explore, discover. The more you do that, the more ownership or control you're going to have of how you operate in the space. The more ignorant you are, the less engaged and involved you get. You know, I can't tell my kids don't be on social media. I can't tell them how to be on it. I can't tell my kids not to do cable. <laughs> they go, it's, it's a part of the world, but I can tell them how to do it. I can't tell them when you go to college, if you're going to go to college, there's going to be some stuff that's going on in college that's not. Let me just tell you how to survive it if you do do it. And let me tell you how to stay away from it if you're trying to stay away from it. I love it, man. I'm going to have to call you, I don't know, if once a week, maybe once a month or something like that, just so just so man, I can run it. through more walls because that's what I feel like doing after this. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll inject you. I'll infuse you with it. <laughs> I love it, man. Thank you so much for doing this, though, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.